This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Mackie and Elton John right now. <laughs> wow. Elton, thank you. Elton Judd. Very funny. <laughs> Very good. Uh, Tiny dancer. Mm, wow. Can we just move on? Can we start the show now? Sure, we can, please. We can Mackie and Judd. We'll we get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? Oh my gosh, I I don't know what to say. This is just an honor, and it's uh, it's just so special. You don't you have no idea what this means, and I am so grateful and thank you so much for the call. It uh, it's everybody's dream to uh, to play baseball, but to get a call like this today is is just incredible. Thank you so much. They have Punto and Casilla on the bench as possible pinch hitters somewhere along the line. Both switch hitters. Minute and a half of silence after a Tommy walk off. And now this from and our we'll sponsors. Yeah, let's we'll get to back. our sponsors. Uh, first off, congrats to Jim Tomey, uh, m- one of my favorite players I ever covered uh, on the Twins beat briefly. One of the nicest, most genuine athletes I've ever met. Yet you have this weird hatred for him. No, I don't. No, I And asked him a bunch untrue. of oddly hard hitting questions on that, his way out com- in a trade to Cleveland. Completely untrue. No, he was sold to Cleveland. They couldn't even get a body for him at that point. Yeah, because he was a free agent, I know. and there was one month to go in the so season. So they got 100 bucks from Cleveland for him. Chipper Jones, one of the great third basemen of all time. Vladimir Guerrero, one of the great bad ball hitters of all time. And Trevor Hoffman, yeah. uh, somewhere in the top five uh, best relievers ever. But once again, where do we even start with this? But this is like an every year Where do you want to start? Because I've got, I've got two things, but... One in particular. Well, can I let me let me start so, with the Bonds Clemens thing quick, okay. and then we can. There's a million directions we can go here, okay. and we'll get into Vikings later on and different stuff too. But baseball writers overthink the ballot every year, 
every year, and they try way too hard to play gatekeeper and moral police officer. Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens are two of the greatest, most noteworthy players to ever play the game in 150 years for good and bad reasons. When I say noteworthy, it's for good and obvious bad reasons. They belong in your museum. Why is that? I think they're going to get in at some point because now they're up into the 55% range. But they stayed there again. They right. didn't go up again. Right, but as it gets closer. They're plateauing a little bit here, The deadline too. comes in like four years. But my, my, uh-huh. my rhetorical question would be, uh-huh. if baseball didn't give a rip about PEDs for like 20 years, all throughout the late 80s, the 90s, the early 2000s, they turned a blind eye. Baseball turned a blind eye. Baseball didn't test yes. very aggressively, and they reaped the benefits of media attention and home runs. If baseball didn't give a rip for like 20 years, yep. why do writers care so much? Put the two most noteworthy players of the last 30 years in your museum and tell their story on the plaque if you want to. Now, it's ridiculous. It, now, if you go back to, to the summer of 98, help save baseball. Baseball came out of the strike in 94 and was absolutely, it, they were drawing, it was a huge problem. I looked it up this morning. Bonds only hit 37 home runs that summer. But nonetheless, the, the steroid summer of 98 helped save your sport, there's no question. My problem with this entire process is this. It's all guessing now. It's become a guessing game. And and the one place where we're to start off with, I disagree with, with Patrick, is this. Royce's contention is one of the stupidest things I've heard is that, uh, you know, if Bud Selig got in the Hall of Fame, which he did last year, that these guys should. That's, that's ridiculous. Well, how is that ridiculous when Bud Selig... And you damn well knew that Bud Selig in the summer of 98 knew exactly what was going on and said, you know what? This is the greatest thing ever. Crowds are coming back. What is so ridiculous about that? Bud Selig is in the Hall of Fame, and yet the people that he profited and benefited from aren't. I've got the fix, though. Okay. I finally figured it out. Because I've been trying to figure out how do you fix this? Because it's a bunch of individuals who see themselves as some see themselves as purists and some see themselves as as being the gatekeeper of baseball. Hold on, do we have a Mister Fix It intro? Do we do that or no? Do we have an official intro for this? We do. Hang on, I got. Let's make this official because it's been a while since Mister Fix It has shown up to the studio. It's a real fix to uh, to to make right of the world here. This is not going to be a joke. This is a fix for the problem. A real fix? Yes. This is. A super-duper fix. Man, I sure wish I remember where I put it. Yeah, there's like 19 pages here. Just voice it now. Who cares? <laughs> no, because it's so it. good. It it's brilliant. Okay. Dave spent production time <laughs> to highlight Mr. Fix-It. Okay, go ahead. And all of his escapades. Go ahead. They call me Mr. Fix-It. That's my name, sugar. Yes, he's got a solution for everything. Even the problems that aren't really problems at all. He's our very own Mr. Fix-It. He is Judd Zogan. So here's my fix for this problem. Because right now what you have is everyone gets their ballot and makes up their own rules, which is ridiculous. It's absolutely stupid. There's a few loose parameters, like there's a character thing in there. There's a character clause, but but I'm going to fix that too right now. You issue with the ballot jury instructions to the voters. You give them jury-like instructions. If a player's name is on the ballot, only that person's on-field accomplishments can be considered as Hall of Fame candidacy. 
it becomes the Hall's right then to invoke the morals clause. I'm taking the morals clause away from the voters. Pete Rose's name is off the ballot. You can't vote for Pete Rose. If the Hall wants to decide if you were caught cheating using steroids that Bonds and Clemens come off the ballot, that's their right and you can't vote for them. But if the Hall decides, you know what, bleep it. I, we can't tell here if Bagwell or Tommy or or um, Bonds or Clemens cheated. Ortiz, yeah. Ortiz, we're putting them all on. Then you as a voter lose the right to make up any of your own rules. You must vote for them based on on-field accomplishments alone. If you want to take them off because they gambled on the sport or they used drugs or they killed their wives, that's up to the Hall of Fame. Jeez. But that's a, But the morals clause is up to the Hall of Fame. Can As I, a voter, you lose the right to invoke your own morals. You know, you could even you could even take that and say, you know, for like for like twenty years, or actually for probably the better part of a century, baseball had a really shoddy, if non-existent, testing policy for PEDs, right? Mm-hmm. And then they came in with this Olympic-style hammer about ten years ago, and they've even increased. At first, it was. Uh, 50 games, and then maybe it was like 100. I can't remember the exact parameter. Now it's 80. Isn't it 80 games for your first suspension? Yeah. Uh, it's. I mean, it's so, yes, something like that. So you could yes, say, all right, is. in the last several years, we've got testing in place that we feel comfortable with, and we've got punishments in place. And as part of those punishments, if you test positive a second time, let's say, you are ineligible for the rest of your life for the Hall of Fame. You're off the ballot. But anything... Any player who played before that or who didn't test positive because there was bad testing in place, it was too much of a wild, wild west. We don't know the extent of the steroid use. We don't know like where to draw lines. What was a supplement? What was a steroid, right? Forget it. Quit playing moral police. Quit playing gatekeeper. I'm with you. Like I think but- it's pretty easy to draw some lines here and say, all right, you guys, you're trying to figure out. Did, oh man, Ortiz was in a news report, but he didn't test. Okay, Bonds never tested, but he like then he went and Ortiz's under oath over here. Wasn't supposed to leak, but it did leak out. So yes. can you consider that? By the way, I, I'm pretty sure so Barry Bonds it. was 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 a rampant steroid user. I think it doesn't take a rocket scientist. I don't right. care. He's one of the greatest players of all time. I think the greatest players of all time should be in the Hall of Fame. And and their flaws should be written about. And if if you want to put it in the plaque, put it in the plaque. What we need to get past is we need to get past the people who vote making up the rules on a case by case, individual by individual basis. And there therefore the morals clause, as far as the writers are concerned, is gone. It's gone. The Hall of Fame puts together the ballot. If you're on the ballot, only what you did on the field can be considered, and it doesn't matter if you were a first-class jerk to the media. It doesn't matter what you did. If you're on that ballot, it bonds. If he's on the ballot, must be must be voted on as the all-time home run king of baseball. Yeah. There it's, you go. Uh, I don't know. There's like two or three other things that came out yesterday, but for, real quick, let, I, I have a, a major rant about uh, a former Twins legendary player that we should get to here, but just on Jim Tomey real quick. Jim Tomey there's so Michael Kadire had a great story on social media yesterday just about how genuine of a guy Jim Tomey is. I'm just going to paraphrase his story. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of stories like this. Um, he was standing in the on-deck circle behind Kadire at a game. It was like a, a matinee game in the afternoon. Maybe Sunday even afternoon. in Cleveland in or Cleveland. something. It was in Cleveland. Yeah. And uh, and Jim Tomey really walks good. up to Kadire and said, you know, matinee game, you know, baseball game in Cleveland. On deck circle, you're about to go ahead. I, I bet this is how Garrick and Ruth felt, right? Back to back, just kind of tongue in cheek. And Cuddy's like, wow, yeah. 
And so Cuddy draws a walk, and Tommy hits a bomb mm-hmm. to drive them both in. Mm-hmm. And and coming into the dugout, Cuddy says, I bet that's how they effing felt, blah, blah, blah. And, and that's kind of where the interaction stopped on the field. So mm-hmm. Jim Tomey, mm-hmm. after the game is over, signs his own bat. And it was like his 586th home run or something. He was getting close to 600 home runs. And he signs it, quote, I bet this is how Garrig and Ruth felt uh, to Cuddy, you know, from Jim. How cool is that? Like, that's his personality. Yeah, he's a great guy. Just he would, uh, behind the scenes, would always do great things but, for people. But because he was a great guy, we never question him. That's true. I never, I never, I, I want this to be the end of this term, country strong. <laughs> oh, he was just country strong. Hey, listen. Well, maybe he, he was, and he might have been. But that's my point. May, maybe he was, but we don't know. And because we're much more likely to label a white hitter who's big, I, country strong, than like well, here's the Dominican favorite. Republic hitter. Here's my favorite. Bagwell was a Hall of Fame player, but Bagwell had to wait because we sort of liked him, but we didn't love him. Right? Uh, he's a good guy, but he wasn't. A, Tommy was a, by all accounts, one of the greatest people to ever walk the face of this earth. He was up there as far as being deity, deity in baseball. And so he goes in first ballot and he's country strong. I want the end of the term country strong. Just admit you people are making it up as you go. Yeah. And, and, and also, what drives you crazy is, I would, it would be so interesting if Barry Bonds had been a great guy. Let's because he's a first class jerk. Well, I mean, Dave, David Ortiz was it was sure. always beloved by the but media, if, big poppy. But what if Barry it's Bonds? Kind of a similar thing. But what if Barry Bonds had been a complete cheater, but a great guy? Clemens and Bonds were jerks. They'd be in. So let's say let's say one of them was just always accommodating. It was Kirby like. He was Kirby like. A Rod's going to get in. Yeah. So A Rod was a jerk, but then now A Rod's one of the most likable. I mean, maybe what, not one of the most likable, but he's become more likable. But once again, making up the rules as yeah. we go. Isn't it funny? You bring up the country strong label, and there's all kinds of racial connotations in all sports, but we're much more likely if you had Jim Tomey standing next to Mo Vaughn, and neither one of them have ever tested positive for anything, but if you had Jim Tomey next to Mo Vaughn, Absolutely. and the average person, all right, well, how would you describe these guys? What do, you, what do you think about their power and their strength in a questionable era? Well, Jim Tomey's country strong. Yeah. I don't know about that Mo Vaughn, though. I think he's probably on something, right? That's... Isn't yes, that how the narrative yes, goes? Yes, it is. Just because Jim Tomey was he's... a big white guy, your country strong. There's no way you ever cheated. So he must have grown up eating grits and <laughs> and biscuits and gravy every morning and oh, pulling a plow horse. But congrats to Jim Tomey, one of the more fun short bursts of of twin stardom that we've seen. Jim Tomey, Jack Morris weren't twins for very long, but when they were twins, it was very exciting, mm-hmm. and they put up some memorable uh, memorable moments. Okay. There is, I'm not going to say a grave injustice because I don't, I'm not going to die on the hill of this player should be a Hall of Famer, but voters are out of their minds again. Actually. A different subject. I've dug up some stuff. You might. You might decide to die on this hill. This guy is getting royally screwed. Okay. Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd now continue. Oh my God, you guys. I am so stoked you are here. You have no idea. Mackie and Judd. On 1500 ESPN. Getting after it and understanding every day you're a Major League Baseball player, you have to look in the mirror and there's going to be positives, there's going to be negatives that you have to overcome. Those offers, but how do you how do you adapt and come back the next day and, and, and adjust 
to what they're doing to you. By the way, if you listen to the first segment or if you hear anything we're about to say on this Hall of Fame topic, or if you have your own thoughts on the Hall of Fame results that came out yesterday, open phone lines the rest of the hour, 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Here's the injustice. Johan Santana will no longer be on the Hall of Fame ballot going forward because he only received, I believe it was 10 votes, maybe 11 Ten votes. Mm-hmm. You got. I think it has to be like you have to get. Is it five percent of the vote? And he got two point four percent. Yeah, I think of the it vote. was twelve votes, and you have to get five percent. Ten, 10 votes. It was okay. ten votes. I just looked it up. Okay. So, a couple things off this. Voters don't put enough stock, in my opinion, into peak greatness. Johan Santana only getting ten votes illustrates that entirely, because for seven or eight years. He was either the best starting pitcher in baseball or second best if you want to put Roy Hack. Roy Halladay deserves a lot of space in that conversation, too. Mm-hmm. So one of the two best starting pitchers in baseball for a seven- or eight-year stretch. Uh, and, and secondly here, Jamie Moyer actually received the same amount of votes, only 10, as Johan Santana. So it's another example of Baseball Hall of Fame voters putting more stock into longevity than peak greatness. Now, I think, you know, Dave actually made a case, and we can get into this later, that if you're if you're able to pitch to big league hitters in your late 40s and you're able to do it across three or four decades like Jamie Moyer, that, I mean, that in itself might be Hall of Fame worthy if we're just talking about celebrating the most uniquely talented players in history. I mean, how many guys are even able to pick up a ball when they're 46 years old, let alone throw it to major league hitters? But at worst, to me, Johan Santana, because of his seven or eight year peak, and then he, and then injuries derailed him, is a borderline Hall of Famer. At worst, mm-hmm. for him to not be on the ballot anymore is a complete baseball injustice. Uh, and let me give you one more here too, because Gar- I saw this: Gary Sheffield received four times as many votes, almost five times as many votes as Johan Santana. Now, Gary Sheffield played for 20 years, and he's a very, very good player. But and he has 500 career home runs, which doesn't mean quite as much now as it did maybe 20 or 30 years ago. It shouldn't be an automatic stamp into the Hall of Fame. There should be context. Gary Sheffield, his main calling card was power. Would you agree? Like grind yes. the sawdust off the yeah. bat, flip that bat back and Throughout forth. the majority of his career, that's correct. Power. 500 plus home runs. Never led the majors in any power category. Never led the majors in slugging. Never led the majors in home runs. Never led the majors in RBIs. And if you want to go deeper than that, in his era, if you take his 20 to 25 year and you know slightly surrounding era of playing in the major leagues, just take hitters only, not counting pitchers. He's outside the top 25 and wins above replacement. Mm-hmm. So Gary Sheffield had a really good sustained career for a long time. To be that good for you know 18 to 20 years, tip of the cap to Gary Sheffield. But Johan Santana was this flash of light for seven or eight years. Multiple Cy Youngs, led the league in ERA and strikeouts. Uh, strikeouts per nine, I believe, in his era of 10 or 12 years in the surrounding era. The only pitcher with more strikeouts per nine was Randy Bleeping Johnson. Yes, he was outstanding. So for that chunk of time, Johan yes. Santana. So I put more stock into a seven or eight year run of greatness. And some people say, well, you're overstating that. It was only like four years. His last year with the Mets, people forget about this. His last year with the Mets, his last full year, 2010, he had a sub three ERA and threw a damn no hitter. It was. And pitched 31 times. It was four or five years of complete dominance. 
It was far more than that of being a very good pitcher. Yes. It was like if you count where he was kind of but, a, when he was a reliever and a starter for two years, he was yeah. also one of the best pitchers in baseball. Now, the last time that we had this conversation, I think we had this, uh, I think we talked about this on the air a few months back. And I thought this to myself at the time, and then I thought I should I should go and do and d- dig in and find out more about this because the first name that came to my mind in talking about Santana was Sandy Koufax. Sure. And I thought, you know, before I say Sandy Koufax, I better be be sure because Koufax is is considered baseball royalty. I did some digging. Basically, they are very close to being the same exact guy. They are very close to being the same pitcher. Johan's first great year, Phil Mackey, came at the age of 26, his fifth full, full year. Sandy Koufax's first great year as a starter in both cases came at the age of 25, his fifth full year. Their numbers, so Koufax's greatest years were 61 to 66. He, he won 129 games and had a 2.19 ERA in that time. Uh Santana's greatest years were 2004 to 2009. He won 99 games in that time and, and had a 2.86 ERA. So yeah. their numbers aren't identical. But then I did some more research and found this out. Based on the eras in which they pitched, statistically, they are the same person. Yeah. Uh, Koufax's career park factor is 97.9. Santana's, 98.8. The average team in 1965, when, when Koufax was at the height of his success... Look at sco- you going Sabre right now. Scored, ...scored 3.99 runs per game. The average team in 2007, when Santana was at the height of his success, scored 4. 0, 4.80 runs per game. Koufax's ERA plus over the time period of his greatest success was 156. Santana's was 154. And they both had their careers ended prematurely by yeah. injury. So ERA plus, I am so proud of you. You just went full saver Thank right you there. very Judge much. Zolgad. Well, I thought Koufax, so, and I thought I might be wrong. I'm not wrong. So ERA plus is what was your ERA relative your ERA relative to the average ERA of that season or of that era? It takes away it's if you just look at well, Koufax's ERA was was his career ERA was two points, let me find it here, two point seven six and Santana's was 3.20, so Koufax has a better ERA. Correct. Yeah, but there were fewer runs being scored across baseball. It was, I mean, it was like the dead ball era, you know, 1960s. So ERA plus neutralizes. What was the average ERA, and how much better was your ERA relative to average? So if your if your ERA plus is 100, that's exactly average relative to your era. So anything above 100 is above average for that season or for that era, right? Johan Santana's career ERA plus is 136. Sandy Koufax is 131. Mm-hmm. Now, the higher the number, the better when you're talking about ERA plus because it's relative to uh, to a baseline of 100. So you can make a case that relative to their era, mm-hmm. Johan Santana was the more dominant run-preventing pitcher compared to Sandy Koufax. Now, Sandy Koufax also won a World Series in 1965 and had... A lot more postseason success in that regard. Uh, you know, Santana's last postseason start but, came against the Oakland A's in uh, in, in two thousand six. But the voter, that matters. The voters in the Colfax case looked at his statistics, which, which which if you if you looked at them and just said I'm going to vote purely honest stats are not Hall of Fame statistics. The county he didn't numbers pitch long enough. He, yeah, he was out of league so when he was thirty. They looked at that at that time and said, bleep it. It's Sandy Colfax. He has to go in. Yes. In the case of Santana, not only did they say 
he doesn't deserve to go in. They said he doesn't deserve more than one time on the ballot. Yes. The inconsistencies in these cases is remarkably ridiculous. Now, most of the guys who are voting on Kofax are either dead or... I understand that, but but, right. but what I'm saying is, I feel you, though. is, is it's the same shrine. Yes. You were trying to put them in the same shrine, and you are now saying what the voters thought, what the precedent that was set was stupid. And in this case, we are not only not going to put him in the Hall of Fame, we are going to bounce him off the ballot after one time. It's ridiculous. 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. On the longevity versus peak greatness argument. And and there should be a little of both. I, I think if you if you just have two amazing... If you come in the league and you win the MVP award twice and your team wins the World Series and then you blow out your, your knee or something and you never play again, I don't know if two years is enough, but... When we're talking about six, seven, eight years of being either the best or second best pitcher in baseball, which Johan Santana was, that's a different conversation. Let me give you another example here in the in the longevity versus peak greatness debate. This is where football has it right. I'm going to give you two football players, all right? Same position, pretty similar era. I think they actually overlapped maybe by a couple of years. Who was the more memorable football player or who was the more worthy of Hall of Fame consideration football player? Mm-hmm. Four years of Terrell Davis mm-hmm. or 12 years of Fred Taylor? Because Fred Taylor actually has 4,000 more rushing yards than Terrell Davis. Mm-hmm. He's borderline top 10 in total rushing yards among running backs historically. He has more touchdowns scored than Terrell Davis, twice as many receptions as Terrell Davis. Mm-hmm. Fred Taylor, baby. Hey, the numbers. At Terrell if Davis. Terrell Davis, you know, if he blows away Terrell Davis's numbers, right? But Terrell Davis, for four years before he blew his knee out, was absolutely one of the best running backs to ever step foot on an NFL playing field. And he ran for 2,000 yards in one of those seasons. Johan Santana, before he blew out his arm, was absolutely one of the greatest pitchers in baseball over that 15- to 20-year period right there with the Pedro Martinez's and the Roy Halladay's. And and the frustration to, to me is this. Colfax set a precedent which was completely ignored. Like, why are you ignoring that? Why are you now deciding if if what about Kirby Puckett? I mean, yeah. now postseason matters, but, and that's why those guys and, are a slight notch or two your above Johan. To your point, if you have an extended period, and I consider extended to be four to five years of complete dominance, that's different. If you have one, two great years, that's pretty short. But if you have five years as a pitcher too, in in a steroid era where you know guys are cheating left and right, and you're dominant, and you're telling me forget about it, it doesn't matter. You are you are ignoring all common sense. You are the Colfax precedent was completely ignored. It was spit on. It was laughed at. It it makes me think that if Colfax retired now, he doesn't get in. Yeah, it's it, unless I mean, I, they say unless they say the sixty five World Series win do, does it for him, and Santana didn't win one. Unless they say that. Sandy Colfax, if he was eligible for the Hall of Fame today with his statistics, would not get in the yes, Hall of Fame. If, if, so that's a really, if, if you brought Sandy Colfax to this, if you just took him and, okay, now he's on, he's on the ballot. He's on the ballot now. He's, he, I believe he was a first ballot Hall of Famer, right? Yeah, 1971, yes. first ballot. Yes. Early 70s. It didn't take him long to he get was, in. He was, yes. Um, and it's, I think you could still have the debate and split hairs. Should Johan be a Hall of Famer? I can, you know what? I'm not going to die on that hill, but I will die on the hill of, Writers are absolute blithering idiots to not advance him further and have this conversation. 
10 votes. Well. 10 votes. Gary Sheffield gets 50 votes. They are. Gary Sheffield. The frustration in this entire uh, conversation going back to bonds for me is this. They are all making up the rules as they go. And clearly, clearly some aren't examining history whatsoever. And if if there's one sport that, that's about its history, it's baseball. Yeah. 651-646-8255. Brandon and Paul will get to you guys. We're going to actually take our first stab of many at predicting the Vikings record at the top of the hour, by the way, in case you want some riveting radio. That's right. We don't even know in what order they play the teams yet, but we've got the opponents, and we're going to go through that record in about a half hour from now. I need a deep breath. Let's talk about Luther Brookdale Toyota for a second. 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. Uh, I can tell you the RAV4 is a Hall of Fame caliber vehicle to be driving around in these icy, snowy, blizzardy conditions. Not only do you get the spaciousness of an SUV, the feel and the handling of a Camry or a Corolla, but you get the unique safety features that only Toyota can provide. Only the RAV4, obviously four-wheel drive, reverse cam, but all kinds of other safety features uh, where, you, I mean, you're... We're getting to the point where vehicles are able to sort of bail us out of different jams and uh, and maybe right some of our wrongs as drivers. And Toyotas are very much in front of that pack uh, going forward here. So RAV4 is $199 a month on a three-year lease with a very reasonable down payment. Stop into Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 in Brooklyn Boulevard, or go to the website LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. It is Mackie and Judd. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. You could say that 10,000 times and it still wouldn't be enough. It fires me up, man. I love it. Say it one more time. Mackey and Judd. Does that feel good? Yeah. They're both verbs. Awesome. On 1500 ESPN. It's kind of, I love the Hall of Fame debates every year. Some people hate it. But then again, some people hate all of our Vikings discussion. We got a couple emails this morning. Are you guys done? Yeah. Talking Vikings yeah. yet? Talk about other. So. Talk about different sports. Just talk about sports. Right. Talk about any sports but the Vikings. But the Vikings are always interesting. So Johan Santana and Sandy Koufax were both basically cooked by the time they were 30 years old. Now Koufax has a feather in his cap that Johan doesn't, and it's multiple World Series rings. He actually won three World Series rings and performed. At, I mean, that's the extra notch in Sandy Koufax's resume that Johan just doesn't have. Johan Johan did but, perform mostly well in the postseason, right? But not Sandy Koufax well. But the gap between how instantly voters put Sandy Koufax in two generations ago and how Johan had ten votes and will no longer be on the ballot that's, is way too wide of a gap. That's it. Way too wide of a gap. That's it. This is not this is not e- even a debate right now in my mind about Santana going into the Hall of Fame. They dropped him off the ballot. Yes, they basically ridiculous. treated him like he was some some you know brief star for two years and that was too short the fact that he got got dropped off the ballot that quickly speaks to how how little the voters know what they're doing at times put it this way billy wagner billy wagner not even one of the three best relievers of his era had five times as many votes as johan santana right that's so stupid Johnny Damon had as many votes as Johan Santana. 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Brandon, you're on the show. Hey, good morning, fellas. How you doing? What's good going on, Brandon? How are you? Uh, I'm doing well, thank you. I- I'm just a little confused uh, that the-, the lack of progression from the, the Hall of Fame, uh, the game... Everybody says it every year. Burt Bylon loves to tell you about how many complete games he's had. I mean, we all know he's well over 240. The leader in complete games last year 
was five, tied with Corey Kluber with our man Irvin Santana. I mean, the the role that pitchers play has completely changed. I mean, the batting aspect of it has pretty much stayed the same. You get the bat, you swing it. But pitchers are asked to do different things situationally. I mean, nobody missed high and wide at 99 like Billy Wagner. I mean, I, I, mean, I don't understand how he can get as many votes or as many more votes as he did than Johan Santana. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, yesterday I was really troubled to see from your aspect, I love what you're saying of the, the peak performance because Kurt Schilling, I mean, was one of the most dominant pitchers for like a five-year stretch. I mean, with Arizona in the early 2000s, and then with Chicago, or with uh, Boston, excuse me, in the middle of the 2000s, and Mike Mussina got more votes than him, and that just really surprised me. I mean, yes, Mussina finished 30 wins short of 300. I mean, Kurt Schilling's just under 250. But, I mean, for your argument and what they're asked to do, I mean, Kurt Schilling was just as dominant of a pitcher as anybody else ever has been in the history of baseball for many years. And uh, I don't think he's going to end up in the Hall of Fame. And I'm just interested to hear what you guys have to say of these Hall of Fame voters. Are they going to progress towards where we are now, or are they going to hold these pitchers to, you need to get to 300 wins, batters need to get to 500 No, runs. no, I don't think so. Brandon, I'm so glad you so. brought up Kurt Schilling. I ranted about this on Twitter last oh, night. And this one, to me, the, the Schilling one is completely unfair, but it's so simple. Politics. Politics, and he was a jerk as a player. This is This is what drives me nuts. The starting point for for why it's so easy to pile on guys like Schilling and Bonds and Clemens, the starting point, so th- this is not it, but it is this. They were jerks. They didn't treat people well. One of the reasons, one of the reasons that Blylevin, I think, took so long was, was one, it was borderline, but also this. Bert Blylevin, as a player, was a jerk. And think about how long he had to be in that booth and get fans to start to like him and start to be nice to writers. That This is ridiculous. This is also based on how writers feel about how they were treated by these people, which, if you think about it, makes no sense. You're either a Hall of Fame player and you should be your career accomplishments should be looked at and, and voted upon or you're not a Hall of Fame player. Yeah, like Kurt Schilling has actually lost votes over the past two years. He he dropped, I want to say, 10% a year ago and then kind of back up into the 50s. But he's he, still down votes the last two years. He's close to where he was two years ago right now. It's because of his radical politics, which, I mean, that's he's he's as right as almost right can be. I mean, he's he does a podcast for Breitbart. And so that's going to alienate a lot, especially if, if we think that a larger percentage of media or sports writers maybe lean left politically, then they're going to look at Kurt Schilling. And but I don't. And, and even if I disagree with Kurt Schilling's politics, I'm looking at baseball performance. Unless you murdered somebody, like I'm looking at baseball performance first and foremost. And the Mike Messina thing, I don't even really have a problem. Brandon brought up you know Mike Messina getting more votes, and it's 63 percent for Messina, 51 percent for Kurt Schilling. I don't even have a problem with Mucina getting in at some point. I mean, he's he was one of the better pitchers of of an era too. But Kurt Schilling's resume, forget about politics. Just I'm just going to give you his resume mm-hmm. compared to Mike Mucina, who has 12 percent more votes. Mm-hmm. Schilling has a better ERA, and they pitched in basically the same era. Right. Schilling has a better ERA, more strikeouts, 30 more complete games, a better ERA plus, which accounts for ballpark and context, and he's a postseason legend. He's one of the greatest postseason pitchers in the history of baseball. Three rings, a World Series MVP, a career World Series or a career postseason ERA, I should say, of, of 206. And his World Series ERA is even better than that. Uh, and, and in the regular season, if you just want to say, let's forget about the numbers, 
when you think back to an era, you know, where does he kind of fall over that 15, 20 year stretch? To me, there's six or seven guys in that late 90s, early 2000s period from like 95 through 05. It's Pedro, it's Randy Johnson, it's the three Braves pitchers, uh, Maddox, Smoltz, and Glavin. It's Mucina and it's Schilling. And uh, in Schilling's postseason, if you just took his regular season, it's kind of a little bit similar to Jack Morris. That, And now Jack Morris has the highest regular season ERA of any starting pitcher in the Hall of Fame. Mike Mucina would be fourth worst, third worst until Jack Morris got in mm-hmm. this year. Kurt Schilling is much more in the middle of that pack. Uh, so, like, my, here's Mike Mucina is getting more votes because he has 270 career wins. So voters are saying, oh, my God, that's the most wins of anyone. You know, pitcher wins. Those those still carry water. Well, my yeah, but to that would be his ERA is 70 points higher than the average Hall of Fame pitcher. So if you just want to go by numbers, and then if you want to go and nitpick the wins, which you absolutely can, he pitched behind Baltimore offenses and New York Yankee offenses. In fact, here's a list of hitters Mike Mussina had the benefit of pitching in front of for his 15-ish years as a top starting pitcher. So you like run support matters here. A Rod, Derek Jeter, Jason Giambi, Raphael Palmero, Robinson Cano, Cal Ripken. A lot of guys are juicing right, by the way. Ho, right. Jorge Posada. <laughs> the steroid lineup. Gary Sheffield. Yeah. Roberto Alomar. Yep. 1995 Brady Anderson. Right. Hideki Matsui. Bobby Abreu. Alfonso Soriano. Uh, there's about 14 more names I could give you. Eddie Murray for a year. But- but this comes back to this. And he gets that credit. Sh- Schilling should go in. He's not going in largely because people don't like him. That's why. It is. They're not voting for him because they don't like him. 651-646-8255. What's up, Paul? Well, and to that point, that's probably why Chris Carter took so long to get in as well because people didn't like him. You are, I think, largely correct, Paul. Yeah. Um, I got a few things. Number one, I would really be interested in what Royce has to say of Koufax versus Santana. I don't know if you guys can get him on your show today or not, because he's not an analytic guy. You know that. Um, but you know, you guys bring up some really good points and he, he grew up watching Koufax. I'd really like to hear his uh, opinion. Heck, I'd like to hear Bob Costas, but good luck getting him. Uh, right, Dave? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, because Costas knows baseball like crazy. So I'd like to hear his opinion as to why. I think I know why, and it's what you guys said, and Schilling's kind of the the obsolete one. It's the postseason. Yeah, and, yes. And, and is Jack Morris in the Hall of Fame today without 1991? No, Absolutely not. not. Probably not. No chance. And You're right. And that's one game. So one game put him in the Hall of Fame, not his career, not his numbers, not his dominance. Santana, you know, does not have the postseason act, whatever the word is. Accolades, Uh, yep. (laughs) There you go. Uh, You know, and Koufax does. Uh, Half the Vikings that played in those Super Bowls, it took forever to get them in because they weren't. It's a Hall of Champions, and that's, that's my biggest beef about all the Hall of Fames. Uh, it's a Hall of Champions, and and that's not what the Hall of Fame is supposed to be. I even heard uh, a writer for the for the NFL say the reason he didn't vote for Jim Marshall is because he got manhandled in the Super Bowls. Well, those are four games. Right. Is, is 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 this why a whole man's uh, a whole career of a man should not be considered for crying out loud? He has the longest streak, you know, of of anybody in a row until Favre broke it. Uh, 
you know, so it's, it's really a hall of champions. It's not a hall of fame. And my last question, Judd, are you arguing that Sandy should not be in or no, are no, no, arguing, no. Nope. are you arguing that Santana should have more consideration? Yes. Uh, okay. Col- Colfax should be in yes. definitely. What I'm saying is, is if, if you're a voter and you don't sit down and look at the precedent that was set, Paul, that's really a shame. If you basically dismissed Santana and said, I'm not even going to vote for him, and after one try on the ballot, he dropped off, and Colfax made it, that to me is too wide a gap. And so I'm saying shame on the people that didn't consider what the precedent for a guy like Santana was because they completely ignored yeah, him. I think I think ultimately Santana would fall short because of his lack of postseason success to what Paul's saying. Uh, but, Paul, I'll throw this one out there, too. Gary Sheffield... And Gary Sheffield is for sure in the Hall of Very Good, and you could even debate. I don't know if I'd vote for him for Hall of Fame, but Gary Sheffield played from 1988 until 2009, 20 years of being very good. Never won an MVP, never led the majors in homers or RBIs or runs or slugging percentage. He was just very, very steady for 20 years. Johan Santana was peak. This, this, He was this shooting star for like seven or eight years. With multiple Cy Youngs, probably should have three. He kind of got screwed out of one in 2006, I believe it was. Yeah. I mean, t- to me, the reason why Gary Sheffield gets five times as many votes is because voters put more stock into longevity than greatness. And where he played. Where he, where did he play, Phil? Played for the Yankees as well. Yeah, the, he played only three years in New York, but prominent three years. Yes. Bingo. And Los Angeles for a few years, too. Thank you, Paul. Thanks, Paul. So let's run one more here before we take a break, and then we can uh, we can keep moving. Joe, what's going on? You're on the show. Hey. I think you got to ask yourself, is it the Hall of Numbers or the Hall of Fame? Just take a guy like, look at Bo Jackson when he was playing. Now, granted, he was just a blip on the radar for time-wise. But was there more of an impressive baseball player than when he played? Nobody mashed like that guy. You're right, had just a cannon for an arm, all this stuff. Is that a famous baseball player? If they call it the Hall of Fame, yeah, that's famous. You so know what I mean? I would definitely so wrapped up in numbers. Yeah, I think it's you know, Ernie Bitsman might have had a great career, played umpteen years, had all these numbers, but he's not famous. You know what I'm saying? I guess that's what I would say. You have to ask yourself: Is it a Hall of Numbers? Yeah, because it's a Hall of Numbers. Then you just take a list of you know sheet of paper and just start writing it off. But you, but, but Joe, fame part. Look at when you know. Look at when uh, Deion Sanders played. For Atlanta, there in the playoffs, it was crazy, right? But he'll never, you know, that's famous. It's who are famous baseball players? Yes, Joe. Good, but, it's a good point. I wouldn't put Bo Jackson except, in, but but his point is somewhat valid. Except to his point, the voters are wrapped up in the stats until they're not. Kurt Schilling. So so ba- basically, basically, what the voters do is they use the stats as a as a shield, so long as it suits them. But then they also have the ability to then pivot and say, but, you know, this guy might have cheated and this guy might not have, or, but this guy was a really good guy. I mean, Kirby Puckett's a first ballot Hall of Famer because he won titles and, damn it, he sat down with me for half an hour one day in spring training and I really liked him. So so the statistics are useful until they're not useful. So, so here's another one then, okay? And that's the, I'm, I'm asking you a rhetorical question. Actually, let's come back. I have a rhetorical question that involves Kirby Puckett. We're up against the break, and we'll take a, a Johan story phone call from Maryland. It's Mackie and Judd. And our Vikings first crack at their 2018 record, pretty. baby. It's not good. The top of the hour. Mackie and Judd now continue. We're back on 1500 ESPN.
1500 ESPN and Sprint want to send you all the way to the ESPN campus in Bristol. You and a guest will receive a round-trip airfare to Bristol to get an exclusive tour of ESPN. Sit in during a live taping of Golik and Wingo. Meet Golik and Wingo and more. You can stop into any participating Minnesota Sprint store between now and February 9th to enter to win this trip. It's a trip that money cannot buy. More details at 1500ESPN.com, keyword sprint. Right, I'll get to my, my comparison here in just a second, but uh, Maryland's been on hold, 651-646-8255. Go ahead, Maryland. We're talking Hall of Fame and Johan Santana getting snubbed off the ballot. Actually, this is a, a memory my grandson wrote for me in 2009. At the time, he was eight years old, and this was his best memory of anything we had done together. He said, it was just Grammy and me that went to the Twins game. It was really raining outside, and we were pretty wet when we got there. Both of us kept score. They played Texas. Santana struck out the first batter and then everyone in the first inning and had a no-hitter going for a while. When we kept score, we just kept writing K after K <laughs> after K. The old record for strikeouts for a Twins pitcher was 15. The announcer told us that Santana had the new record. I love going to Twins games with my Grammy. When I go with her, they always win. Can we send that in and they'll just put him back on the ballot for sure. You know, Marilyn, that's a great story. I hate to be a buzzkill, but there has to be a part at the end of that story asking why he took himself out of the game with a chance to break the major league strikeout in the ninth. I, I don't. I'm sorry, man. I love that story. It was a great story. I'm choking up here, and Phil's nitpicking <laughs> your story. I had to drag out our family memory book, and this, oh. of all the things you do with your grandparents, this is what he remembered, and I, I think it's very touching. Awesome. Thank you, that Marilyn. Is a great story. Thanks. I mean, but don't, didn't you wonder that? So he was, I don't know, he, it wasn't like he was at 150 pitches. At the pitches. time, yes. He walked off the mound after the eighth inning with hey. 17 strikeouts and tipped his cap to the crowd. His arm was like, sore, maybe. I guess he's done pitching his now. Arm, his arm was sore. It was a great performance. I'm sure Bert said, uh, he's not going to have a complete game. What's he doing? I'm sure Bert didn't take it well. Well, it's hard to rip a guy after striking out 17 batters and uh, and shoving. It was like a two-hitter or something. Just one more thing about uh, Santana. Baseball reference. If you put this t- uh, together, the most dominant six-year stretches for any pitchers since the year 1917 are Koufax, Maddox, Clemens, Johan, and Tom Seaver. That's nice company. I that's feel like six, you should get six, maybe to a second year on the ballot. That's a six-year stretch. See, to me, yeah. to me, a six-year stretch of complete dominance yeah. is a big deal. I'll give you another one. So there is uh, someone came up with what something called War 7. So this is getting saber, but because it, should, it should, shouldn't just be all about numbers, but wins above replacement in your best seven seasons. And of all the guys on the ballot this year, Santana's like fifth or sixth. So if you just take the peak seven seasons of a guy's career, he's like fifth or sixth behind Bonds and Clemens. And um, actually, Andrew Jones is is part of that mix with a great peak. Mm-hmm. And Chipper Jones, who got in. Yeah, just how about, you know, 20 extra votes to get the guy to a second year on the ballot? Yeah. Oh, whatever. Um, well, I'll give you that uh, Kirby Puckett question maybe a little bit later on in the show, uh, maybe maybe next hour here, because we have to get to our first crack of 20 of these this offseason, picking the Vikings record. We don't know the order of their opponents, but we know the opponents. Mm-hmm. We know home and away, mm-hmm. and we'll take a crack at it when we come back. Uh, later on, we'll talk to Bob Fesco, 
about Alex Smith. He's from 610 Sports in Kansas City in the 11 o'clock hour. Matthew Collar on Vikings and more on the Hall of Fame. Plus, Vince McMahon is pulling the trigger. Yes, Vince McMahon from the WWE is pulling the trigger officially. Press conference later this afternoon. A new professional football league. We don't know if it's going to be the XFL again, but he's an opportunist and he's taking this time between championship Sunday and the Super Bowl. So we'll get to that too. (coughs) 